Hear the word of God from Matthew chapters 3, verses 13 through 17. This reading comes from the New Revised Standard Version, and you may find this reading on pages 784 and 785 in your Pew Bible. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending down like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Laura. And hello, everyone. Happy Epiphany, a meaningful baptism of the Lord Sunday to each of you. This is the, the second Sunday of the new year. If you were here last week, we celebrated the sacrament of Holy Communion. And uh, this is part of our Worship Works series. Today we're looking at the other sacrament of baptism. And we will have a chance later in the service to remember our baptismal vows that we perhaps have taken. You know, we have two sacraments, communion and baptism. And sacraments are like little gifts from God that assure us of God's love. Sometimes we refer to the sacraments as heavenly mysteries. And as such, we never fully understand them. But every time we participate in the sacrament of communion or baptism, it's like we unwrap that gift just a little bit more and we understand it afresh every time. And every time that we do that, it connects, God connects with us in our life experiences. So sacraments are gifts from God that help us grow in faith and be faithful. And today we're looking at baptism. Now, some people have questions about baptism. Like, well, why do we do it? What does it mean? Why do we use water? Why do we do it in worship? It's a little bit confusing Do we baptize children? Do you have to be an adult? It's confusing. So I found this slide that just really helped explain it. So today in church, a guy in a dress tried to drown me. And I kid you not, my family just stood there taking pictures. I think if you have not grown up in the church or you're not kind of familiar with the aspects of the unique things about church, it is confusing. And so today, uh, my hope is to unpack it a little bit and tell, uh, tell you what we think of baptism as a church. You know, here at Hyde Park, every month we hold a baptism class. And families come and individuals that want to be baptized themselves or want to have their child baptized, and they ask questions about what this means. And it's a wonderful time. I always enjoy it because you hear what people's experience of baptism is for them and what who it is they hope to have baptized, etc. So 
Today, I'm going to talk about baptism, and it's a teaching sermon, but I'm going to try to teach it in ways to, of baptisms I have experienced. So maybe that'll make it something you can hold on to. And I'm going to start with my own baptism. I'm the fifth child of five, and all four of my siblings were baptized as infants, except for me. I think my family moved around a lot. My dad was a salesman, and I think at some point they realized, huh, you haven't been baptized. (laughs) And so it was pretty close to my starting of confirmation classes in that church we were a part of at that time. And so we decided that I would be baptized at the end of confirmation. Well, at first, it was a little bit embarrassing for me because I was the only confirman in my group that had not been baptized as an infant. But as I've looked back on it, I thought it was a very meaningful and special time because I can remember it. Tonight, we are having the first meeting for this year's confirmation class uh, attendance. So if you want to uh, learn more about that, speak with Emily. But we'll be starting here tonight with confirmation. So I remember my mother made for me a brand new light blue corduroy jumper. With rickrack right here. I thought I was so special. It was awesome. And the pastor called me forward and had me kneel. And he said, child of the covenant. I didn't really understand what he meant. But I knew something big and exciting was happening. And now, whenever I hear those words, child of the covenant, I am reminded that baptism has its roots In the Old Testament. In the New Testament, where Jesus was baptized, of course, when that's how we get this, this act, but also it reaches farther back into the Old Testament. And there are two words that really ground our thinking about baptism that come from the Old Testament, and those words are covenant and circumcision. Covenant refers to that unique relationship that God has chosen to be in with God's people. That's us. And it's a special bond. And it was first spoken of in Genesis when Abraham and God had a covenant between each other. And it represented their Abraham's future descendants. And that's all of us. So covenant reminds us that we are claimed in this household, this family of God along with all the other followers. And the other important Old Testament word is circumcision. Now, we don't talk a lot about circumcision in church, right? Not not very often. Now, in fact, in our culture, it's more of a hygiene sort of thing. If you want to have your child circumcised, that's great. But in the Old Testament, circumcision was that outward and visible way to remember their covenant relationship with God. So when the New Testament authors and early leaders in the church were conceiving of a way to think about a covenantal relationship with God through Jesus, they used an outward and visible sign of baptism as the Christian equivalent to Jewish circumcision. So baptism is for Christians what circumcision is for Jews. That's a helpful way, I think, to think about it.
So with baptism, I was, you were, every baptized individual is claimed as a child of the covenant and incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation. Baptism is an outward and visible sign that says we are incorporated into the family of faith. We're part of this big family of faith. So baptism is a free gift. It identifies us as part of God's family. It's like the great big old welcome party. That's why when we baptize a child, we walk the child into the congregation and we say, meet your newest family member. It's like the welcome party into the family of faith. I like that image of a welcome party. That's one of my favorite parts of the baptism is to introduce you all to your newest sibling. I remember um, Hurricane Andrew hit in South Florida on August the 24th, 1992. It was just eight weeks after we had moved to Miami. And that very next Sunday, we were supposed to have our first child, Abigail, Abby, baptized. We had two minister friends flying down from Delaware. We had 14 trees down in our yard and we had no electricity. Our church members were in shell shock and we thought, heck yes, we need a welcome party. We need a sacrament. We need something that's going to remind us that we are loved by God, all of us. And we had Abby's baptism. Now, I'm not going to show you pictures of that baptism because we looked like drowned, tired, dirty rats. But we had a cleansing and a healing, and that baptism was very significant in the life of that local church at that time. It was a welcome party for this new baptized one, but for all of us, it was a reminder of how much God loves us and walks with us on this journey. Baptism is all about belonging, and it marks us as one who belongs in this family of faith. So from both of these stories, baptism stories, you might recognize that, oh, I guess we baptize older people or we baptize infants as well. Confirmands, teens, adults, or infants, we're all able to be baptized because from the earliest times, children and infants were were included and baptized into the church. The biblical record supports both adult and infant baptism, and there's no right or wrong stance on this. Some Christian traditions only baptize believers or adults, those who are able to speak for themselves, but Methodists have a very clear understanding of infant baptism. And I think this comes from the idea that Jesus said, let the children come to me for such as these belong the kingdom of God. And just like Jewish parents could take vows on behalf of their child at the time of circumcision, so true Christian parents can take vows on behalf of their child in baptism. But it's very important to remember that we make those vows on behalf of our child with the hope that one day they will be able to make that affirmation for themselves in front of a church. And that's what confirmation is. As Methodists, we have a strong understanding of prevenient grace. 
which is the understanding that God's grace is already operating in that child's life from the very beginning, from the moment they were born, in, a, in order to give us the ability to someday be able to respond to God's love for ourselves. It's a recognition that God was already working in that person's life from the very beginning, bringing them into this family as God's child, even before they recognized God's work. Therefore, baptism is not a work that is necessary for salvation, but it is a sign that God is already working on that child and leading them on their own salvation journey. And that leads me to the question that you might be asking. Is, is baptism necessary for salvation? And the answer is no. It is not necessary. One time I was called to Miami Children's Hospital to baptize an infant that was only going to live a few hours. And that family asked that this happen. And so... I knew that it would bring comfort to this family, but it was not necessary for that child because God was already loving that child, holding that child, being with that child. It was absolutely not necessary, but yes, I did that baptism. It is usually, though, done in the midst of a community. That baptism was just the parents and the child and I. That is the exception to the norm. Baptisms are done as part of the Christian community and usually in a service of worship. We don't do private baptisms because it's a corporate or communal act. Because the parents are claiming vows on behalf of that child, so are you. Every time we have a baptism, you as the members of this household of God are making promises to the one we baptize. Every time you do that, you are promising to live as an example of Christ and to surround this newly baptized individual with a community of love and forgiveness so that they may trust in God and be found faithful in their service to others. Every time we have a baptism, you're promising that to the one being baptized. It is a partnership. And friends, we need each other to live out our baptismal vows, to live out our calling, our vocation as followers of Christ. So just a few more baptism stories. You might be asking, I believe you were asking, now why do we use water? Hmm. Well, water, if you, ha, ha, baptism has its roots in the New Testament, of course, because Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. And throughout the Old Testament as well, water is used as a symbol of God's power and presence and provision. So think about the creation story, how the waters moved upon the face of the earth. And then think of Noah as, who was saved in the ark, in the water. Think about the exodus when the Hebrew people were released from captivity uh, by the Egyptians and they were made a way through safety through the Red Sea. Think of all the ways that water is used for cleansing and purification and healing and so much more. So water symbolizes that cleansing and purification and new direction. And so when the New Testament authors 
decided to convey, how are we going to convey God's presence and power that's revealed through Jesus, it's no wonder that water played a critical and crucial role. The symbol of the shell is often a symbol of baptism because the shell was used in the early church to dip the water and pour it on the one being baptized if they didn't just go in the river. If you're over in our chapel sometime, you'll see a shell on one of the, one of the stained glass windows. In our baptismal vows, we say that we renounce evil we repent we turn away from those parts of our lives that make us unclean and separate us from god the evil powers of the world is the way our language states it we reject we give up we turn away from sin as best we can we do our best to turn away from everything that's bad and unjust and mean and evil all those things in the world we try to do that faithfully and and baptism reminds us of that. With baptism, it's like we're being washed clean, forgiven, given a new lease on life, a new direction, a vocation, a calling. It's like we're being washed afresh in God's love. And speaking of washing, how do we baptize in this church? Well, in our church, most often we use the baptismal font and we sprinkle a little bit of water on the individual's head, maybe drips down their face a little bit. Some churches have a huge bathtub-like thing and they immerse the individual in, go in the waters and come out as a new creation. Still other communities go to the ocean or the river and do it just like Jesus did with John the Baptist. Um, Last Wednesday night in our baptism class, somebody asked me, one of the parents said, could we go to the Gulf and could we get into the ocean and baptize my children there? And I said, absolutely. We just need to work out a few more logistics. A few more things have to, have to be taken care of. We get a little community of the faithful there and we have this party, this welcome party on the beach. Friends, no one way is better than another. The important thing is to remember that in baptism, we are received into this family of faith and given the task of growing in our relationship with God and sharing God's love with others. And finally, I just want to share with you that it only needs to happen one time. It takes the first time. One time, it all you don't have to be re-baptized. But one time I was baptizing this little toe-head and... I put the cold waters of baptism on him. And when I put the cold water on him, he puked all over me. <laughs> and I thought, I've already been baptized. I didn't need to be rebaptized. One time was enough. And when the word went through the church and the community, two weeks later, someone, a stranger actually, came and presented me with my very own baptismal birth cloth. <laughs> Not every minister has one of these, but I do. <clears throat> one baptism is all that's ever needed. <laughs> one baptism because it takes the first time that God's grace holds you always. One time is all that's needed. It is a sacrament of God's grace 
and a covenant that God initiated, and it doesn't need to be repeated. However, there are times maybe that we need to be reminded of the vows that we have made. And so we, off, we annually have a recommitment. We reenact the vows. We have a reaffirmation of our baptismal vows, which is what we do today and will do in just a few moments on this baptism of the Lord Sunday. We typically do it the second Sunday of the year. So baptism is the sacrament of water and the spirit, and it is done in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Baptism is the beginning of a lifelong journey. It's like the doorway to a new adventure with God. And today, we have the opportunity to reaffirm our baptismal vows, to remember our baptism, and be thankful. So I have just a little quick slide that we produce to help us remember baptism cliff notes who's it for everyone and when does it happen baptism can happen at any age of your life where does it happen in some sort of christian community and how do we do it well we can sprinkle dip drizzle or dunk what is it it's a sacrament a mystery, a gift of God's grace that assures us of his love. And why do we do it? It's a cleansing, and it's a, an act of belonging, and it gives us direction, and it only needs to happen one time. So friends, if your experience of God's grace was that you were baptized as an infant or as an adult, or if you desire even now to learn more about baptism, as we remember our baptismal vows this morning, I want you to remember that it marks the beginning of a journey of faith. A journey that happens in the midst of a nurturing, welcoming, loving, serving congregation. Just like this one. Will you pray with me? Oh, holy God, this day... Remind us that the gift of baptism, well, it gives us our traveling shoes, our marching orders, our identity, our assignment. And remind us that at our baptisms, we receive that indelible mark of belovedness, just like Jesus did. You love us and you claim us as your own members of your family. And with the power of your belovedness working in our lives, we are able to face the evil powers of this world, monsters big and small, and come out on the other side telling the good news of your love. We are so grateful. Amen.